Well, hello again there, lifers. Welcome back. This is Heather Drew, and this is the Life in the Whirlwind podcast. Today is episode 13, and this episode is called On Transformation, Hospitality of the Self. So way back when, back in the early days of this podcast, episode 4, I did an episode called On Transformation, Getting Out of Your Own Way. And I wanted to revisit this topic of transformation because I think it's pretty applicable to this podcast and to this very life that we are living. So I thought I would revisit this. But it's also going to be sort of a PS to the last two episodes. So episode 11 was about things that we hold on to, and the art of letting go. And episode 12 was called Optimal Conditions, and that was really about um, taking risks and pushing our edges of growth um, into vulnerability. So um, we'll talk a little bit about that, but know that this is another episode where we're going to talk about transformation. So I have this quote that... I said a while ago, I don't even remember when I said it or wrote it, but somebody picked up on it and it actually became sort of one of these taglines that I've had around like on my blog and things that I write, but this is what it is. Vulnerability is hospitality of the self. So last week we talked about vulnerability, what it is and that it's showing up and coming to the table before we're ready. All of these are very familiar themes, yes? But today I want to talk about it being hospitality of the self. What this looks like in simplicity is that we welcome things and we connect to people, even ones that we are sort of finding push our edges a little bit. And I don't mean boundaries. I don't mean letting us, um, you know, us letting ourselves let people push us around. That's not what I mean. But it's just more about connecting and welcoming things, connecting with and welcoming things like emotions and relationships that might make us uncomfortable. We are a society that loves comfort. I'm not sure if you knew that. Uh, it's true. It's definitely true. So hospitality is also really about hosting in ourselves, even the most painful emotions. Uh, it's very hard to believe. I think we have a really hard time believing that we can, in fact, make room for all the possible emotions of life that one person can actually genuinely contain and bear many emotions. So I think what we tend to actually believe is that the emotions that are harder to bear are, um, you know, these painful emotions. Maybe, I wish I had printed, there's these things on uh, counselor tool websites and things like that, you probably could Google it. But if you look up, if you Google like emotional vocabulary, 
there is an abundance of words for emotions, for the different kinds of emotional experiences. And I really like to go beyond the basic ones. So maybe you're feeling anger, but what's what are the complexities of that anger? Maybe it's betrayal or loss or fear or um, abandonment or something. There are so many possibilities for emotion. And today I was at a mindfulness workshop and the speaker, and I'm really sorry, I don't remember her name. If I remember it later, I'll type it in to uh, the episode, (laughs) the episode uh, entry here. But she said, intense emotions are not emergencies. Isn't that interesting? We often... Can you think of a time maybe um, where you thought you had this emotionally intense experience and you had this intense emotion enter you, enter your body, enter your mind, enter your heart or whatever it is, and you, it was like alarm bells were going off. This just happened to me last week. I was at work and I was thinking about something that was stressing me out and I was sighing a lot and my friend said, why, what's all the sighing about? And I said, my body is telling me that I'm in danger, but I know in my mind that I'm not. But it's interesting, isn't it? These intense emotions are not emergencies, even though we often believe them to be so. So what do we often do with these intense emotions that we see as emergencies? What do we do with emergencies? We, um, we get carried to and fro by them. They rule us. Nothing else is visible at the time. So in a in an emergency situation, obviously your you know your sympathetic nervous system takes over, your fight or flight response takes over, and your adrenaline kicks in, and you are capable of all kinds of crazy things. But you get very carried away and very ruled by emergencies, right? And this includes emotions. When we think emotions are emergencies. Um, What else do we do, often do with intense emotions? I would say we often project them onto other people. So maybe can you think of a time where you noticed yourself having a really intense emotion or an experience with someone and they were, you know, talking to you about something maybe or they were reminding you of something and instead of sort of mindfully dealing with the emotion which we'll talk about in a minute spoiler alert um instead of mindfully dealing with this emotion you just kind of exploded on them and you know took maybe perhaps even a victim approach like this person is making me angry. This person is pushing me to my edges. I say these things sometimes. Um, I don't like saying those things because I think when we talk like that, we tend to we tend to live out of a victim mentality, which just doesn't serve us. But um, it happens. We're humans. What else do we often do with these intense emotions? I think more than anything probably. We do some combination of ignoring them, burying them, numbing them, or shutting them out. 
So, or, you know, maybe that includes like pushing through, we call, you know, like just pulling yourself back up and pushing through. Um, we do this all the time. So imagine this for a second. Imagine that you live in a cabin in the woods. This is like my heaven thinking about this. Um, imagine you live in a cabin in the woods and you hear a knock at the door and you open the door. I don't know actually if you would open the door. You might like look out the window, but you see something, someone you're not interested in having inside. So of course you don't open the door or you slam the door in the face, in that person's face or something. But you then continually effort to keep that person on the outside of this cabin of your house, right? That is what we do with intense emotions a lot of the time. We look out the window or we open the door and then slam it in their face right away. No, I can't handle that emotion. No, I'm sorry. I don't have time for that grief. Or no, I don't feel like dealing with the immensity of the feeling of abandonment. No, thank you. I'm not interested. Um, it's like, you know, door-to-door salesman or something. So what is the alternative? I would say that hospitality of the self means we respond instead of react. So reacting is slamming the door or not even opening the door or projecting or you know, letting it carry us around um, to and fro, right? But instead, what if we respond differently? What if we respond intentionally and mindfully? What if instead of our usual responses, we invite these intense emotions in and we actually, excuse me, I'm getting over a little cold here. What if we invited these intense, intense emotions in and we decided to host them? as it were. This is what hospitality is, right? What if we even honored them? Whoa, this is a bold, bold uh, approach, right? It's the difference between how we treat an intruder versus how we treat an honored guest. So there could be a number of things that make us treat our intense emotions as intruders instead of honored guests. I would say one thing, I'm just going to name a couple of things off the top of my head here because actually this is winging it a little bit. I'm riffing a little here. Um, But one of the things I think that causes this is social constructs. What do our communities say about emotion or bereavement or um, anger? Is it appropriate? Are we allowed? What kind of anger are we allowed to feel in public? What kind of grief are we allowed to have? Um, How often are we allowed to cry? And how intensely are we allowed to cry? Are we allowed to sob? Are we allowed to just let a tear trickle down and gently wipe it away? These are important questions. How do your communities and how does your um, surrounding people, whoever those people are, how do they respond to intense emotions? And how might that be impacting how you view these emotions, whether you view them as intruder or you view them as honored guest? Do you have some friends or communities who really move toward you when you are feeling an immense amount of grief? 
Do they never get tired of hearing you talk about your intense emotions? Um, those people, I would argue, are a little bit hard to find. I know of some, <clears throat> and I'm really thankful for those people in my life. And uh, there's nothing like them. Those people change. <laughs> they transform a lot of these intense emotion experiences. <clears throat> I'm very high F on the uh, Myers-Briggs, by the way. So I want to read a poem to you. First, I'm actually going to walk over here and get my water because I just, my voice is going crazy here. Okay. <clears throat> I think I'm all right. I have the portable mic today. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay. I'm going to read this poem, which is by Rumi. I read him a couple of weeks ago. Maybe even last week. I can't remember. Um, this poem is pretty famous. You might have heard it before. It's called The Guest House. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival. A joy. A depression. A meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture, still treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whatever comes, because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. So last week we talked about, um, actually two weeks ago, we talked about in episode 11, Don't Hold On To Me, we talked about um, this sort of experience of the unknown. And we hold on to things, we grip them so tightly, experiences and people and um, cherished things. We hold on to them, we grip them tightly because we can't imagine what could be beyond them. But um, a listener this week sent, sent me an excerpt from a book, and it had this really lovely section on this uh, story about Mary Magdalene and Jesus, uh, the one that we talked about in episode 11, where Jesus says, you know, she, Mary sees him and is so happy to see him. She thinks he's dead, and she sees him, and she's so happy to see him, she clings to him. And he says, don't hold on to me. And this little excerpt that a listener sent to me, thanks Maria, said, Mary's love had to let go to reach deeper and more spiritual dimensions. It sounds kind of like that Rumi poem, right? It's be grateful for whatever comes because each thing has been sent as a guide from beyond. Mary's love had to let go to reach a deeper and more spiritual dimension. Mary was very hospitable. Mary reached this other level when Jesus left. Assumingly, that's what we're, assume, we're left to assume. She assumingly hosted a whole lot of intense emotions when Jesus left. She loved him dearly. I mean, this man was her dearest human. Um, 
was like her dearest person. Um, they had a, you know, there's like a Da Vinci Code story about this. I, I don't know what happened. I don't really care. That's not the point. Don't get into the controversy about all this, this relationship. It's a sweet relationship, um, in my opinion, but it's just this, um, this experience I'm sure of intense emotion when Jesus leaves. Mary's likely after he leaves, he, she's probably hosting all of these hard feelings, the confusion, the loss, the grief. Maybe she feels abandoned. I don't know. But I would assume she treats them with honor. And the reason I guess that is because we see when she has Jesus over for dinner, um, there's this really famous story in the Bible, Mary and Martha story. Martha is her sister and Mary is, you know, Jesus comes into their house and Martha is like running around like a chicken with her head cut off, being a very, you know, diligent hostess, um, cooking food, getting things ready, moving about, but she's just not with Jesus. And Mary is right there next to him the entire time from the moment he walks in the door. So we have reason to believe, not just beyond, beyond my own assumptions, um, that Mary was quite a good host as far as being present goes. So that presence really might have prepared her for this game day of him leaving, this deeper calling that she had when he left into this deeper, more spiritual dimension. She had to be a guest house. She had to treat each morning as a new arrival, right? Um, she had to be ready to host things. And I would argue, so do we. I I have this sort of belief that there's necessary suffering in the world and then there's unnecessary suffering in the world. And um, there's a whole lot of things that fall into these two categories, I think. But the most simple, simple uh, examples for this purpose of this episode might be this. Uh, necessary suffering is the necessary suffering of hosting something that feels like an emergency, but actually isn't. And it's really difficult and it feels excruciating at times. It feels like it's going to rip you apart from the insides. I am telling you this from experience. When somebody says, feel what you feel, that can be one of those scariest sentences in your entire, that you'll ever hear in your entire life. Feel what you feel? Are you kidding me? This thing, it's going to literally shred me from the inside out. But here's the thing. Unnecessary suffering is when we choose to keep it on the outside. When we choose to stay inside alone and only host ourselves, the, the self that we're comfortable with, the emotions that we're comfortable with, because it just doesn't make us well-rounded human beings. Um, we're not full. We're not at capacity. This hospitality of self, it's a sitting still. It's a sitting with presence and attention paid and curiosity. That's a really important factor. And awe of any emotion that comes, even shame, um, even malice 
all these these things that were mentioned in the guest house. So what do we do? We invite them in. My my one friend <laughs> says, I think her therapist said, invite your feelings over for tea. We invite them over. We make them comfortable. We treat them with honor. We name them. We see them and know them. And we don't die. We don't keel over <laughs> in their presence. We just listen and pay attention and name things and talk about what we're experiencing. The only way we find the capacity for what we never knew we had capacity for is through the experience of hospitality of self. Think about that. How do you learn you have capacity for something? Is it by imagining it? Is it by thinking about it? Or is it by doing it? Like if you take a really deep breath into your lungs, that is the only way you're going to know that you have capacity for that much air. And vice versa. If you like let all the air out of your lungs, like you really squeeze all the old air out, wring it out like a, like a cloth, you never knew you had that much capacity until you do. Until you just allow it. So here's my invitation to you this week. What emotion can you host this week that you have previously left out in the cold? What's that thing or emotions? Maybe it's one, maybe it's a few. What are those emotions that for whatever reason, maybe it's social constructs, maybe it's personal belief, maybe it's fear, whatever that is, even that is an emotion itself. But for whatever reason, what are those things you've left out in the cold or you've slammed the door on and you could invite in and be a very honorable host too? It's scary. I know. I'm with you. You're not alone. There's a whole lot of us doing this. You are not the only one, and I have survived to tell the tale. So I wouldn't invite you to do something that I know you can't survive. Surround yourself with support. Tell somebody. I always say this, and I mean it. I'm not kidding when I say this. Tell somebody what you're doing. Get some support. Get somebody who's a trustworthy person and say, hey, I'm about to do something really scary. I'm going to go ahead and feel my feelings. And I'm terrified. So just invite somebody else into that process, practicing hospitality of self on the outside, not just on the inside. My blessing to you this week is from my teacher, Jake. Uh, this is a, a second degree quote from his teacher, Norma. She says, let the experience itself be the transformation. Be transformed by your hospitality this week. And I'm looking forward to connecting with you again next week. I will be on location probably next week. This episode might come a little late next week. I'll be in San Francisco, California. And I really look forward to uh, either recording an episode there or recording one when I get back. Take very good care of yourselves. Lifers in the whirlwind. See you next week. Here's a picture of a bright blue bird Standing on the open hand Of a woman with long red hair On the edge of a windswept land
to the rocks below Dark thread of a storm behind Light shines on her smiling face Looking up at these hills to climb She can feel the wind right now Wash away her tracks and plans If you want to live this life Gotta hold it with an open hand Open hand The sky flyer's gotta face that wind Feathers have to feel the air He's been where she's never seen He's seen what she could not bear But the two of them hold it all The high view and the muddy miles The free wing and the earthly trail The deep heart and the endless skies She can feel the wind right now Wash away her tracks and plans If you really want to live this life Gotta hold it with an open hand She can feel the wind right now Wash away her tracks and plans If you want to live this life Open hand.